welcome to another rousing episode of Not Only But Also, I'm your host, Tess Nicole Cottrell. With me today is the <laughs> one, the only... Renee Ronica Bahati Klugd. Klugd? <laughs> I was like, that wasn't supposed to I made happen. up a new last name, but that's okay. Also known as the Winged Warrior. Winged Warrior? Yeah. Where did that come from? Oh, in my brain. I like it. So, Alliteration for the win. Yeah, it's true. And I like that. And I can make up my last names as much as I want. It's true. You can do whatever you want. I can do want. whatever I want. Um, so today we are talking about difficult conversations to have with children. We're probably going to focus more on sex and race. We're not going to get into too many other things unless, you know, we fancy to you do You never know. We could things. go this away or that away. And we're just going to interweave and we're going to go back and forth. It's going to be a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of research, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Kind of just like what we do. <laughs> kind of pretty much <laughs> our episodes. Oh, hey, wait. Somebody the other day, this is a total aside, told me that they had asked someone to listen to one of our episodes. Oh, to the Organic Church episode. And... <laughs> the person that was asked to listen was like, I could only listen to a few minutes. They were just wandering here and there and they started talking about something and they went in a different direction. And the person who told them to listen, who is I know to be a faithful listener to the podcast was kind of giggled and was like, but that's what's so great about it. <laughs> like, I, know. I feel like I'm just sitting in a room with friends, with my friends listening to their conversation, which is actually all this is, is two friends talking with yeah. each other. And I would much rather hear a bunch of rambly wanderers than all these commercials. You're welcome that we don't have a <laughs> bunch welcome. of commercials. Also, well, th there's different, I mean, just listening to people talk podcasts, those are my favorite. A scripted podcast is a totally different experience. Also fine. I like some of those too, but that's not what this True is. True crime tends to be very scripted. And I'm just saying... Well, I mean, my favorite. And that episode scripted. in my memory, we, that was right after we got COVID. So, you know what? Our critiquer, that was right after we had COVID. So, a little bit of grace. Not critiquer. And number two. Just a style choice. And a style choice. And number two, they fair enough, scripted, we were pretty If they rambling. want a scripted organic church podcast episode, they can find it somewhere else. That is true. That is true. You could go to desiringgod.com and you will not find anything about <laughs> no. organic church. Oh, this is not at all about what we're talking about but did you see that probably did you not. read about that or see that desiring god article that came out and people done lost their minds you have to give me a little bit more context okay the, i can't remember the author's name it's a female author i want to see her first name something like tilly or something she basically she was talking about women in the home ish something like that this. but she referred to the interwebs and women's relationships online. Yes, I reposted the edited yes. version of this on that's Nova's right. Instagram. Oh, that's right. So yes, I read this thoroughly. No, just the crossed out version. The disembodied bodies floating through the Yeah, basically don't Ethernets. trust any any but I should trust you. Don't trust anyone online. They're not real authentic relationships. And they're causing it's causing women women having online relationships is causing women harm, essentially, is what it sort of boiled down to. Wow. Which Well, another win course, for sweeping generalizations. Right. And of course a lot of people came out of saying, Well, actually and this was my thought, if the church is failing to help cultivate and maintain and, and 
provide genuine, healthy relationship, then for a lot of people, a lot of women, they are finding community online because they aren't finding it anywhere else. I know. I know. I know. It's so insulting. It is insulting. But we digress. And we're not going to talk about how to talk to kids about faith and church. But a lot of what we are going to talk about is kind of roundaboutly talking about those things because um, when I talk to my kids about the church, it's oftentimes to un- church the message yeah, about sex and right. race. It's the D um, programming. And also messages. as a disclaimer, I don't give parenting advice. You should know this about me because I don't <laughs> care how you rear your children. You do what you need to do as long as you're keeping them safe. And uh, the second thing is, is parenting advice is about as nebulous as it gets because if I were to give you advice based on my first child, that advice doesn't even apply to my second child. So things are nuanced, but these are like this is essentially things that we have done, some of which have worked, some of which have not. But I think ultimately our philosophies are going to come out of how we think talking to kids, for me at least. I can't speak for Nicole, but for me, I think I have more of a how and a why behind my parenting style and not necessarily a prescribed what. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think that'd be true for me. I'll, I don't know if I'd say it quite like that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this podcast, I just wing my parenting. You just wing it. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I know. So let's start with, let's talk about sex, baby. Yeah. Let's talk about you and me and how we tell Salt our kids. Salt and peppers here. All right. Okay. So we got to start with telling everybody how well, we, well, first, before we, we talk about talk how we actually sex. talk to the kids, because the stories are gold. They are pretty great. But, okay, I would just want to say, first off, all of my parenting wisdom comes from Atticus Finch. <laughs> I am not kidding you, from To Kill a Mockingbird. I read that book when I was 14, and I was like, this is the parent I want to be. <laughs> and it's because Atticus, Atticus is just a straight talker. No nonsense, single dad, two kids. He's got a, a rape trial that he's dealing with in the deep south in the 1940s, 50s? Uh, yeah. For the early part of the 20th 40s? century. I don't remember what decade it was. And like when Scout, his daughter, asks him what rape is, this is Atticus's direct reply. Rape is carnal knowledge of a female by force and without consent. I read this. I underlined it and I said everything I need to know about parenting in one sentence. Mm -hmm. And that was that. It's you give it to kids straight, but in so much as a child can carry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Bye. We're done here. (laughs) Just kidding. Go read To Kill a Mockingbird and get back to us. (laughs) That's right. So – Nicole, your kid, your daughter is older, so you told her first. And so what was the impetus? Like, what was your f- philosophy so behind it? So I think, it? much like Atticus, I have always – I love it. Let's, me, and, me and At, we, I have always maintained that if my child is old enough to ask mm. the real question, then they deserve a real answer. Yeah. And so far, that little, you know, life – parenting motto has served me well I don't know if it will apply through everything but it has so far so I had normal I mean normal I don't know what people's normal conversations are with their children about sex but when my kids were littler we actually was actually part of our homeschool curriculum some Mm -hmm. of the first conversations so we looked at pictures of 
babies growing and wombs and we talked about um, there were like microscopic, you know, 500 times, 1,000 times microscopic uh, images of magnified images of sperm and eggs. And we talked about those. Oh, it's super cool. I love that stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. And also, I feel like that way, it kind of is a, just a bridge for them to have some of those conversations because then they don't need more information than that. Yep. They have enough, you know, and images are helpful and cool. At any rate, so – they knew there was an egg and a sperm and a and a womb and the baby grew and the baby came out. That's basically what they knew. And then at some point we were sitting at the table, dining table, probably having school lessons, and we were reading the Bible and someone was reading about Mary, Joseph or Jesus's mother Mary, and Riley looked at me and she I could see like wheels turning in her mind and she said, "But Mary wasn't married yet and i said that's right and she said how did that baby how did baby jesus get in her stomach is basically what she asked and she was asking a different question then she was asking a different because she realized oh these people weren't married yeah because up until that point maybe she thought only married people i'm pretty sure that's actually what she thought um could get pregnant so i said that's a different question i'll be happy to answer that with you with your dad later and so maybe a day or two later we talked to her and she was like how old was she 11 i don't remember i think she was like 11 and uh we sat her down in her room and we said we are going to talk with you about the next part of this conversation she'd already had initial conversations but like the full conversation of how intercourse happens I don't remember all that was said, but I do remember – this is the part you know, you remember. It was the best. At one point, Jonathan was <laughs> talking and he was doing some gesturing and and then I remember he was starting to describe male anatomy and he stopped talking for a second and he, there was this weird long pause and he was like searching for a word <laughs> and, and then I can't remember what he actually said. I think he said just like – he said the base of the penis, I think, is what ended up coming out of his mouth. And then he kept talking and we explained, you know, the actual function of like, then this happens and then, you know, whatever. And meanwhile, of course, her eyes are like bulging out of her head. At the end of it, we said, was that what you were expecting? And Riley was like, no, not at all. She had a totally different idea of what sex was. She, we're done talking with her. And I look at Jonathan and I'm like, <laughs> what was that weird long pause earlier when you were like searching for a word? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I was trying to think of the word. And the word that came to my mind was shaft. <laughs> and I I was like, dear Jesus, thank you that you didn't have Jonathan say shaft in that conversation with my 11-year-old because I would have fallen on the floor dead. <laughs> I would have laughed, like I'm cried, doing right all of it, all at once. <laughs> there would have, would have never. She would never have even known. There shaft. would have been no recovering for me. Thank, thank goodness he didn't say that word. <laughs> but she also would not have been able to look at any shaft the same. I mean, just I, mean the I can't even look at a shaft the same no, way after that. I don't. Know. <laughs> Who even uses that word? Why was that the word that came to I his mean, mind? I don't I'm know. Sure, plenty of people use. I guess, but. <laughs> it was a gold, it was a golden moment. So that was our first like big, you know, full time, full time as Beckett would say, full time conversation, full time conversation. Full-time conversation. 
Yeah, I think ours was really similar. Our oldest Ariel was 10. And um, all of this is documented on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> and it's great, their faces, because I like snapped a picture each time. And it was very much if the, when they're ready to to ask, yeah. then I'm ready to tell. Yeah. But so, God, I think I'm going to mix up all these stories, but it doesn't matter. So... Okay, Ariel is 12. So yeah, this had to have been right. So my my um, sister-in-law, Jessica, was pregnant a few oh, years yeah. back. So three years ago almost now. And Judah says, Mommy, how does – or he asked Jessica, yeah. how does that baby come out? And yeah. Jessica and my brother, Michael, look at me like, okay, where, where yeah, do you want to go say? from here? Yeah. So I looked at him and I said, it comes out of the mommy's vagina. Mm -hmm. And he goes, the vagina? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And all the kids just were kind of, you know, like in their brains, like, whoa, you can yeah. see everybody yeah. just, what? Wow. Okay. Like, how does this happen? Incidentally, oh, this is a little too personal of a story. <laughs> mm, do I tell mm, it or I do I know. not tell it? If you're so, saying it's too personal, then I am I have serious questions. Okay. I'll just say this. I use uh, a menstrual cup, which I highly recommend. Ah, uh, yes. And Ariel happened to, because my kids love to ignore me when I need want to be seen. But when I'm privately taking care they of my business. They can't wait to see you. They barge right, right in. So Ariel barged in as I was, you know, taking care of my business. And she sees this menstrual cup and understands what I'm doing with it. And she's like, uh, after she found out about uh, how babies come out, she looked at it. She's like, that big thing fits in you? She was like, how? And I was like, well. <laughs> and then she just goes, oh, okay, never oh, mind. Okay. I think like, yeah, I yeah. don't know if it was babies come out. I, maybe that's what I said. I said, well, babies come out. Yeah. So maybe she, she I don't pieced it together. It yeah, it was hilarious. And though. slash she didn't want to know anything else. And yeah, she yeah. Was And I didn't want to share anything else. And I was like, yeah. Here. <laughs> like I want to deal with my business. So anyway, um, that's when we installed locks on all of our doors. <laughs> so after that, uh, how do babies come out the vagina? Ariel says, "But mom, I understand how they come out, but I, but how do they get in?" That's right. That's the real question. And I said, "I need you to know that I am willing to tell you, but you need to know that once you know, you can never unknow." Yeah, I love that you said that. That you gave her this kind of option and of she like, said okay listen you can't go back from this information yeah and and i said that and i said also i want your dad to be here yeah i think it's he's will be heartbroken if he's yeah. not in the in the room for a number of reasons i just think it would have been a disappointment for greg not to be there yeah i think that people are surprised when they because you and i both had we were we did this with our husbands yeah. I, people have looked at me strangely like that I should have just sp spoken with no. my daughter and my son should have just spoken with Jonathan. No. And I thought, what? I There's so much health that comes from it being both parents. I think so. And I just think that Greg and I do, for instance, this this is a, feels like a non sequitur, but it's not. This semester happens to be my busiest semester, but it also happens to be Greg's busiest mm -hmm. semester. He just happens to be locked in a classroom all day, and I get to do my work from home. So it, I have seeming flexibility. Yeah. But I don't have a lot of leeway. Yeah. Uh, but he has no leeway. Mm -hmm. So, and I realize this, I'm in semesters, I'm always going to, my life will always be lived in semesters. This semester with him not being, not, ha, not being able to be present as much yeah. just because of his teaching schedule, I'm suffering mm -hmm. just, and I realize we 
we are like in such a, we have such a dynamic partnership yeah. where there are things I don't have to worry about because he takes care of them mm-hmm. and vice versa, that when he is not present, mm-hmm. it is a noticeable yeah. uh, void. And I think my our kids are used to, are used to that dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. So when we have those discussions, anyway, so... So that night, I we're sitting on the couch, and I say to Greg, "I realize now it's nine. Ariel's ten, or Ariel's ten years old. It's nine p.m. Mm-hmm. Right? Bedtime is yeah. gone, and they're in bed. They are in bed." And I say to Greg, "So by the way, and Greg knows our philosophy already. Yeah. Once they ask, they we're ready to, to tell them. Right. So I'm on the couch, and I'm like." So Ariel asked how babies come out, and I said, and I didn't tell her because I wanted you to be there. How babies like, thank get you. in. How babies get in. How babies get in. Yeah. How babies get in. Thank you. And he said, okay, good. Thank you. And he goes, well, let's rehearse. And I was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> So we rehearsed, and we got he got real into the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> and like all into like foreplay. And I was like, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, uh-huh. that we have rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. Because my daughter doesn't need to know about like clit stimulation no, no. just yet. No, no. And not if you at 10. need to know about that, go listen to our orgasm gap <laughs> episode. It's yes. a two parter and it's quite good. Um, anyhow, so I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then we finally got like our script together. He's like, okay. And I was like, all right. Ariel! And Greg calls Ariel yeah. out of her bed. I love it. And I was like, what? We're doing this now? No. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, we're ready. And I'm like, okay. So, and Greg is like very precious when it comes to sleep time. Yeah. So this was, this is out of his character. So Ariel comes down <laughs> and we tell her and I document her face. Um, it's in 2019. I can, uh, I'll, I'll share it. We'll, we'll share it back out on the, on the Instagrams. And, uh, you know, I can't remember which kid we told what to, but essentially we started with the National Geographic videos that we had been watching about animals. And that's how Greg started. And it kind of rooted in their minds, oh, that's what they're doing. So it felt like natural and it felt universal. Yeah. And then this is the only part, you know, we just kind of went through and Greg finalized this talk by telling our 10-year-old daughter, and it culminates in ejaculation. <laughs> That's right. That's a perfect Greg <laughs> sentence. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. And that's how it ended. And then my job always is to talk that about That is how it ended. That is how it ended. Yes. That's what. And then, but then I continue the conversation because <laughs> I have to. That's what I do uh, on consent. And I tell, I go yes, so in good. depth about what that means and how they don't have to do jack squat until they're ready. And if all of their friends are doing it and mm-hmm. they're still not comfortable with it, they don't have to do it. That's exactly And right. at any time that uh, they feel uncomfortable, um, it's not their fault and they're not doing anything wrong, even if a person tells them they're doing something mm-hmm. wrong by saying no. And if somebody uh, touches them without their consent, mm-hmm. they have done nothing wrong. That's right. There's nothing that they could have worn. There's nothing that they could have said or done or even a place that they could have been mm-hmm. that would have justified somebody violating that's so good. their consent. And I think that that's really important because so often the message is, well, what was she wearing? Where was she? Was, was she, she out she alone? Right. What was this? What was that? What, what were all of the justifications we can make? Right. To make it seem That's, like this person is not accountable, mm-hmm. and thus they bullshit. somehow deserved that the, they deserved to be violated yeah. in some way. Yeah, and mm-hmm. this again, the onus of responsibility on the person being violated instead Correct. of the violator. So anyway, so that is, uh, that's how it happened. And then with our second, it was very, very similar with I'm sure some funny bits, which I can share 
Um, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. We, but my second one told me really quickly that she wasn't ready. Yeah, which was the same as my second. Oh, that's so amazing. Just so interesting. Maybe it's like a middle child thing. We had tried talking with our second, our our oldest son when he was, again, I it sounds like we maybe we didn't have conversations before. We'd had ongoing conversations. Sure, sure, sure. They just weren't as specific sure. about function. Same. <laughs> right. So um, we tried talking with him and he was 12, maybe 11. And he was like, no, I don't want to know. We, he actually said, he goes, I know everything I need to know. That's what he said. <laughs> That's such a- and and Jonathan said, what do you know? You You know nothing. What do you know? You tell us what you know and we'll tell you if it's what you need to know. But he wasn't even comfortable doing that. He wasn't even comfortable having that. And I think um, probably if it had been left up to me, I probably would have pushed a little Mm -hmm. more and made him have that conversation. But I think it's interesting to take note as we're having – as we're just sharing like what we've done for our families and our own kids. This, of course, is not prescriptive and Renee and I are not parenting experts. My children are not in a public school and if my – if that boy, if that son of mine had been in a public school, I probably would have had to or wanted to have that conversation even earlier. Not like homeschool kids aren't like being exposed to stuff, but it's a different environment. Sure. And so I do think I I think it gave us a little bit more time. Um also just knowing his peer, like the the boys he's around, it gave us a little bit more time. But then something did happen that prompted um us wanting to talk to him. Again, mm. we found out something, which I won't share for just the sake of privacy. But um, so then we did talk to him and we were basically like, we don't care if you're ready now. <laughs> you have to have this conversation yeah. um, because of extenuating circumstances. And he understood that. And he was like, okay, I, I get it. So let's have the conversation. And with him, it was really interesting. He We said we said all the things and then he had some really good questions, more than R- Riley had had. And then we said, was this what you expected? And he was like, yeah, this is pretty much – I pretty much knew that that's what it was. Ooh, do you think he was fronting or do you think no, that really No, I think that true? he just is a more intuitive person like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're compared right. Compared to Riley, who's very much more – you know, especially when she was a little girl, she was much more like in her head daydreamy and kind of, you know, she's just like a little fairy when she was little. I think she just – it was more romanticized for her. Sure. And he – and Tolan was just more like, yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty much what I figured. Yeah. You know. So it's interesting. Personality plays such an important part it's in true. how and when you yeah. talk to your kids. It's true. Yeah. And um, I love that. And I love that it was an extenuating circumstance where you did – okay, you, you honored it at first and then when it needed to happen, yeah. you trusted yourselves to say, okay, it's going to happen. And I think – with Eva, our middle, she's going on 11. She'll be 11 in February. And she I don't remember how, what circumstances came up that she had asked about it. And I said the same thing. Once you know, mm-hmm. you can't unknow. So right. let me know when you're ready. And she goes, I'm not ready. Yeah, which I love I said, that she knew that yeah. too and that she was given that option. And, and I said, cool. I said, will you let me know? When you let me know, daddy and I will talk to you. Yeah. She's like, all right, cool. So then a few months later, and this is probably after – I know it's after we – what, uh, did the orgasm gap. Yeah. Um, we were watching Mixed Dish and Bill Cosby came up. Oh, I yes. I remember. You laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you yeah. know, because now we know in yes. history. Mixed right. Dish takes place in the 80s prior to all of the Bill Cosby stuff coming right. out. So I was like, oh. And the girls looked at me and they said, what? And I said, ugh. 
And I was like, there's just a lot of mixed up stuff because of what happened with Bill Cosby in retrospect. They're like, what happened? And I said, well, he was tried and convicted of rape. Mm -hmm. And it was terrible. And Eva goes, what's rape? Right. And you said, Atticus Finch says. Yes. And I said, well, according to Atticus (laughs) Finch. And I looked at her and I said, for me to give you a straight answer, you have to know what sex is. Right. And I said, are you ready for that conversation? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes. Yeah. And I said, Greg. And he said, I'll be right there. (laughs) Yeah. So literally, Ariel was like, peace out. Uh And and Ariel left. Judah was already in bed. And we had the talk. And it was – Yes, he had he defined the words flaccid and erect. Yes, in Greg's <laughs> style, and then again flaccid. talked about consent. And we also said that she's allowed to ask us anything as it comes up over yes. the weeks, months, That's years. Super important. And the addition addition to the Eva conversation that I need to go back and amend or not amend a bridge. No, no, no. Add, add. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use fancy words because they're all gone. <laughs> um, to Ariel is three holes. Oh yeah, three. Three holes. (laughs) Wait, didn't you already share that story of your student? You did. You shared that in some episode. Sometimes she just comes to my mind. I don't remember what episode that's in. It was the orgasm Orgasm gap. Gap. Okay, so if you haven't listened to the orgasm gap, I'm not going to spoil the story here. You have to go back and listen to that episode, one or two, I don't know. And just then just know that sometimes there's a girl, she comes to my mind. I don't know who she is, but she's a hero. She's the best. And she comes to my mind. From time to time. And I smile. It, Three it's, holes. Um, it's the best. So we taught her about that. And then. That's so good. Uh, um, oh, and we also talked about sex being different than gender. Oh, yeah. We and didn't this, really get into that one. But yes, he, we've had different gender conversations. But yeah, that's good. I think you mentioning um, it being an ongoing conversation, I think is for you and I both, I know for our families, is one of the most important things that we've communicated that what tends like at least for our generation right like kids of the 80s products of the 80s if people even talk to us about anything it was like one time done like i had one conversation with my mom about sex and i was like five years old she opened up a anatomy book because she was in um she was a in school to be a medical assistant yeah so she had this like she had these huge textbooks she pulls up this textbook she pops it open it's like a body it's like a female body a male body she literally points to what things are says this goes in here this does this this done you closes the book that was the only conversation i like actively remember having about anything sex related then maybe it was like Make sure you use condoms, Nicole, like when I was like 16. I mean, I think that's kind of the extent of what was discussed, which is so astonishing to me. Also, just there's a lot of reasons why that's so astonishing. But I really love and we had communicate, we have communicated in an ongoing way to our kids like this is an ongoing conversation. There actually you should be having these conversations with us. When things arise, like you just said, yeah. when questions come up, you hear something, you see something on TV, you somebody says something at school, you don't know. One of the worst things that happens for children is their minds run away with yeah. them. And children's imaginations are beautiful. They are a gift, but they can also be a kind of a curse. Yeah. Because they, if they don't have – if kids don't have the correct information – the child's brain naturally tries to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. of that information. But children filling in gaps means 
creating misinformation or even creating scenarios that are scary or scenarios that are on, on, you know, harmful or just unhealthy ways of thinking because they don't know. So they do this kind of patchwork thinking and then it doesn't help them. So we had told our kids, you should be able to talk to us in an ongoing way. We want you to have this in an ongoing way. And then we ask them, like, we'll just touch base with them and be like, hey, have any questions come up? Have you thought any more about this? Or have you, do you have any questions about this? And we'll ask them because sometimes they're scared to even initiate, not that they're scared to talk to us, but, you know, they are aware. Yeah. It's like once you saying to Eva, you can't unknow this. They just even being aware of it, sometimes yeah. they're like, oh, am I, should I say something? Can I ask? And yeah. we want to create that free environment. It's true. And I want to, I'd be remiss not to talk about this, but I'm also reading a book right now that is, it's so good and it's really healing. Um, you know, as somebody who came out of a lot of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, you know, I was three the first mm-hmm. time it happened. This was my introduction. I don't remember having the sex conversation. Yeah. I just remember always knowing what right. sex was in such a way uh, and recognizing that. So early, early, early conversations mm-hmm. happened when my daughters were two and three. Right. And I think I've had them with, I've had them with Judah about, consent, like Judah not violating human rights of others, Mm -hmm. because I think Judah's pretty handsy and he's got, he's very much into the the women. Um, Women's bodies. bodies. He's just like into them. He like came out the womb like that. But I do need to talk to him about, I do need to talk. See, I miss talking to Judah about somebody violating him because boys yeah. can be I mean, listen, we have, the same. We and naturally defaulted. have some of those bias. Like, yeah. that's a normal but thing. But now I will have this conversation, not tonight, but soon. Yeah, that's Anyway, an, that's he's going to be seven on Saturday, so I'll spare him the conversation until next week. But my point <laughs> here is I talked with my daughters at a very young age, yeah. two or three, about uh, people not touching them, yeah. about those kinds of things. And so that was, but there was something that just changed me. During um, reading this book, it's Tarana Burke's Unbound, and she is a black woman who founded the Me Too movement. She had a lot of childhood sexual uh, assault that happened when she was young, and she talks about uh, her creating stories about around what it was because there were no adults who were really talking to her. Mm -hmm. But she says this regarding parenting and those of you who have heard me, and sometimes you know people in my real life who listen to the podcast are like, "Oh yeah, Renee doesn't really like kids." I do like kids because I love people. I'm a little bit afraid of children because I hated being a child. Yeah. I could not wait to escape childhood. And once I escaped it, I never looked back. Mm-hmm. I And I, children do terrify me, but only because as a child I felt uh, powerless. Yeah. And I think you've you've heard a lot of my stories so far. So I want to make clear that I do love children. I'm never going to speak negatively about children because I think that's terribly exclusive and I repented of that like I don't want to create any sort of narrative but I will say this regarding parenting and what Tarana Burke said as somebody who has been through some of the sexual violence that we've both been through oh god it was so good she says this I have the desire to parent but I don't always have the capacity Mm. and I thought about that and I gripped it and I was like that's me it's beautiful and that's me Mm -hmm. like and the thing is, is I have so much desire to be a good parent, but sometimes I'm not 
the greatest parent because I feel like I don't know how to mm-hmm. do it. And I know that there's a lot of you who might feel that as well. Yeah. And you might be hustling in all of the other places. And look, I am a hustler. I got a lot of capacity for a lot of things. But when it comes to parenting, I feel like my capacity runs dry very, very quickly. And now I know that this is the next step in my healing process. Mm, yeah. It's so figuring out where that love, and I think it's just a matter of love. Yeah. There's some place in me that didn't feel that that didn't have enough love. I'm not blaming my parents. Yeah. I was not able to receive love in a way that I should have received. Mm-hmm. This is on me. And now I have to go back and figure out why that is. Well, that's is. not on you. It's not on me. But I'm saying that out now as an adult. Yeah. As an, as an adult, you get to actively work towards the healing of that. Yeah. But it's not your fault. Yes. But I wanted to, to inc- include this here as part of the greater parenting conversation that we're not always going to get it right. It's really good. Mm-hmm. That we're not always going to know how to do it. And for a lot of us, we may not be able to even have these conversations until we do a little bit of self-reflection and, and move into it. But so it keeps going. Riley's 15, Ariel's 12. Um, you know, I, we have we have not had this conversation with Judah yet, but I imagine this conversation is going to come much sooner with Judah because he's... Yeah. I think with my youngest, we'll have to talk to him sooner because he's just a different kind of person. Yep. Like, again, personality. However, I actually almost don't want to talk to him sooner for some of the same reasons because he – I I don't know. I feel like those are the times where I really need wisdom and, like, even just making prayerful decisions about when and what to say because I could see it going good ways or bad ways yeah. depending on the timing with, with him. And I mean, he yeah. is just a more – like, Judah is just more – physically attuned to people's bodies. Yeah, this is Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. I know. He likes Same. butts. Same. And likes boobs. what are you going to do? I mean, yep. you got to have those conversations sooner. Um, okay, I had a question for you. Actually, thank you for sharing what you shared because I think I think that's so – capacity. I think that I, when I got married, was like, oh, I'm so – healthy and I've worked so many things out and God's done so much in me. Oh my gosh, I'm so healthy. And then, and maybe that was kind of true, although not really. And then, but <laughs> we I was- were as healthy as you had ever been until correct. that point. And, and, and my marriage didn't, um, I know for a lot of people, when people, certain people have gotten married, when people get married, it can kick up some of their unhealth. That actually did, isn't what happened for me. Um, having children is yeah. what made my head spin. And I was like, oh, I'm not healthy at all. I mean, the stuff that I thought I had dealt with and been healed of just had been hidden. And nothing makes you berserk like kids, especially if you have unhealth. So I I think like talking about capacity and finding ways to increase your capacity to be the parent that you want to be is really important. Uh, That's not what this episode is about, but I love that you shared that. and But I think I don't want any parents to go into a shame storm thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't do that. Right. Or I, or I haven't do done this, this yet. Or, or I haven't done, done this it, way. Or, yeah. Or I wouldn't do it this way. You might not like the yes. approach Nicole and I take. That's right. And that's okay. Yeah. And like we said, we're not saying this is what anyone needs to do. We're just sharing what we've done. Yeah. And there's, you know, like so many things, there's always opportunity to say, I want to do it differently. Or... I might have done it like this with one kid and I'm going to do it like this with another kid. And I'm going to get better as I get as I grow in parenting and I'm going to change the way that I do things and I'm going to reevaluate and adjust and improve and all of that. There's room for all of that too. 
And there's like the secondary conversation and somebody had mentioned talking about, you know, people who supporting different views and um, how to navigate these conversations when they're with friends because we Instagram pulled you and those are some things that come, came in. And, you know, I have a, we have a community um, where there are a lot of people who are non-binary mm-hmm. and even my kids in as early as fifth and seventh grade, mm-hmm. they have friends who have come out as they, them mm-hmm. and who are gay. And I'm like, whoa, like one of, one of my ch- child's friends in like fifth grade mm-hmm. came out as pansexual. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was like, you're in fifth grade. Yeah. And I was like, how do you know? Like, do you understand what that means? And if so, why do you know that? Why do you know the depth of that? Why do you have the language for that? That was my first, like, but I, okay, this person had a lot of other stuff going on. But then I realized, you know what? I need to have these conversations with my children Mm -hmm. about things. And I have friends who are non-binary and when they can't come over beforehand, I'm like, okay, this person uses they, them. Mm -hmm. And now it's just part of our family lexicon that that this is, this is how we do it. And I am 100% inclusive of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I know that a lot of you may have differing beliefs on that, but I believe that all humanity is worthy of acceptance. And so I teach my children that. And that is something I think that is important. And if kids do have different beliefs, oh, after these conversations, by the way, after uh, Nicole had the one with Riley and we had the one with Ariel and Eva, I said, and by the way, I told Ariel, I said, Mm -hmm. Riley's the only one right now who knows about sex because Riley's older. Right. And I said, but I don't know what other friends of yours know about sex Mm -hmm. and you are not the one who is going to teach them. Correct. So that was something else. We said the exact same thing to our kids. We said, you don't get to tell your younger siblings. You don't get to talk to your cousins. You don't get to call up your bestie and be like, guess what I found out. Yeah. That's their parents' job, opportunity, responsibility, not yeah. yours. Yeah. And I even said what I had just said to you. I said, when I was a kid, I learned things from kids. That was wrong. I knew <laughs> that what I knew about sex was a you know five minute conversation with my mom in an anatomy book at age five and friends at school yeah. telling me information that they knew from their older siblings yeah. or that they knew. Because they had been traumatized, because they had been sexually abused, and they were passing information to me. I can communicate to my children, that is not how anyone Mm -mm. deserves or should find out about sex in any way. It's not your job. It's not your job to share that information. So um, I think that's super important. And they've honored that, and they've been really respectful of that. And uh, I've asked them even, like, have you talked with your friends at all? Like, Because now they're older with teen friends. And they still, and they're, I mean, I do trust them. They're like, no, we don't talk about it. It's not something that, at least in their circle of friends, is talked about in any ongoing way. So I should probably check in with mine. I think my, you know, Ariel only has only because some of her friends are, uh, they present differently and whatnot. Not her close, close ones, but some people that she has mentioned. And um, I lost my train of thought. Okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. Masturbation masturbation that's did I, song. Did I ever, okay I gotta tell you this quick story so there is this super fundamentalist church in Southampton New York where Greg and I met and where his family still lives nearby and we go every year anyway there was this billboard and people who were like OG 2000 back there there's a billboard and there was always these super inflammatory messages like cool. 
gays be gone and right. just the worst kinds of messages yeah. for all of the celebrities entering into the hand. Lovely. Like, welcome. Very Jesus welcoming. Loves you, right? Very welcoming. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Greg and a couple, I was not here when this happened, but Greg, they were like church testing and they went all throughout the island going on, going to different churches. And that one was like there. So they're like, all they right, we got to be in equal opportunities <gasps> yes. supporters. So they went. <laughs> I really want Greg to be here to tell this because he does it so much better than I do. But so they went in and there were four of them. They're all like 20-ish, 22-ish. And the the congregation is just empty. There's like seven people there and all of them are like 60 plus. Of course. So these four 20-somethings sit in the pews, I'm imagining. And of course, the pastor sees them. Oh, no. No, 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 no. So the I feel pastor like I know is, where this is preaching going. about whatever. I don't know. And all of a sudden, he no. says, and I hope that nobody in this room watches pornography because we know what pornography leads to masturbation. Stop it right now. <laughs> what in the world? And it was just so per- like masturbation. <laughs> so now I cannot say the word masturbation masturbation without saying masturbation and if you ever need greg to say it just ask greg hey <gasps> can you just say masturbation in the way that that oh, funny pastor did in new york they got and he a will very specialized personalized I sermon mean, talk about tailoring your message tailoring to your, your message to your audience <laughs> anyway and so, wooing okay, them with your love. question about masturbation go um, ahead Okay, so have you talked no. about it? Okay, so neither have we. Now, listen. Oh, God, I forgot about masturbation. Yeah, so did I forgot about masturbation initially too, but listen. Well, I did and I didn't because – Okay, <laughs> here's how. Let me explain. We were just saying we had some bias, you know, between talking to our, our boys versus talking to our girls, sons versus daughters. And with Riley, I didn't even like the thought. Like didn't even pass through my mind. But then I have a 13-year-old son. Yeah. And I think all my stereotypes in my mind about – boys and puberty and you know morning emissions and all the stuff like came to my mind and also like I know what boys were junior high and high school boys were like like I remember so I did for him I thought oh we have to have this conversation too like this needs to be tacked on to the sex conversation but we didn't have it then at that time and then I talked with Jonathan afterward and Jonathan was like no I don't want to have that conversation with him right now and I was like, but he's a 13-year-old boy. Like, this, this is critical. We have to have this conversation. And this is what Jonathan said. And I thought, wow, this is why having a spouse is always nice because people have diff- hear differently and have different wisdom. And it can be really helpful, it turns out. And he said, well, actually, he's like, why would I want to – he said, if the thought hasn't already entered his mind – and we're also basing this off of just like what we think is going on. We don't entirely know, but, you know, we don't think, and he didn't ask, and we have, they've had, he and Tolan have had other conversations. Um, He's like, if the thought hasn't already entered his mind and or he's not doing it yet, he's like, why do I want to teach my son how to simulate sex? And when he said that, I thought, oh, yeah. And it's kind of goes along with what we were saying of once we introduce the idea, there's no going back. Mm -hmm. If the idea hasn't already entered their mind, like, you can't take that away. Yeah. And I learned about masturbation. I was so young and I was to- told by a girl who had, who I now know had had some sexual trauma yeah. and she was doing it out of a total place of hurt yeah. and she, sh- she introduced it to me. Also, I think out of a place of hurt and for like 
a sense of control and connection even. Yeah. And when I played that back in my mind and thought, why would I, yeah, I don't want to give him the idea if it doesn't already exist. Now, there's this person I follow on Instagram who I have a lot of respect for. She's a big um, following. She's a homeschooler. She's an author. And she, um, Greta Eskridge, and she. Wait, what? Her name is Greta Eskridge. Oh, got it. Um, and I can't remember the name of her book, but if it comes to me, I'll share it. Anyway, she um, she's super vocal about pornography and um, keeping kids from viewing pornography. Um, but she had this whole really interesting conversation and discussion going on her page about masturbation. And that her stance was like, you need to have this conversation right away. You need to tell you – not right away, but, you know – have this conversation with your kids, do it now, blah, blah, blah. And I shared why I didn't yeah. and what I just said with to you. And a lot of people disagreed with me on the thread, which I don't care. It's fine. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. But it was one of those things of timing. Yeah. Timing is super important. And knowing your child. And knowing your child. Which That's I, right. And to your point, I forgot I have talked about masturbation. Yeah. And I want to be careful because I don't – these podcasts last forever, and if this child ever <laughs> listens, I, I don't want there to be any embarrassment. So I'm going to use they, them mm-hmm. pronouns, and I'm just going to be very broad. And if I if it's obvious in how I tell the story, it is, but I'm not going to out yeah. this child. So one of my children, like, figured out just by laying on their stomach yeah. that th- stuff feels good yeah. at, like, age one. Yeah. And I don't think that there was any abuse situated. I don't think anything. I think this person just has a proclivity toward liking sensuality. Yeah. So so that was happening and I noticed it and I was like, don't shame. Yeah, no shaming. But there was a room full of people and they were doing it kind of right there. (laughs) So I took this child aside and I said, listen, I said that – I said, it's okay that you do that, but you can't do it in front of people. Mm Mm-hmm. And I said, that's a that's a by yourself kind of thing. Yeah. I just left it at that because yeah. I'm like, the kid's little. So anyway, about in this past year, I was tucking this child in and the child said, you know, sometimes when I touch my private, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and I said, well, yeah, that's totally yeah. true. That's <laughs> well, kind yeah. of, there's a lot of functions for that and that's totally <laughs> one of them. And they said, yeah, but you said it was bad. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. And this was like four, five, six years ago yeah, I said that yeah. this was bad. And I was like, no, did I? And they said, yeah, you, you you said downstairs not to do it. And I said, no, no, no. I said, let me clarify. Mm-hmm. I said not to do it in front of other people yeah. because it's private. Yeah. And I said, and you want to, you know, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want them to get addicted to like sex, but can you get addicted to por- uh, to to masturbation? I don't know. And I was like, how the hell do I work this? I was like, I don't know what to say. And I was like, listen, I was like, that feels really, really good, and it's okay if you enjoy it. Yeah. And I said, but there is a time and a place to make it appropriate, and not mm-hmm. to show those parts in front of other yeah. people. And I said, enjoy. <laughs> I wanted there to be like an atmosphere of joy around it and not an atmosphere of shame. That was my uh, whole thing. No, I <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy. And uh, 
and then I used their, I used their nickname. I, um, and I did, I was like, what? I don't even think I told Greg about this. But I think Greg <laughs> would have been two thumbs up anyway. But yeah. my thing is, is anything that would attach shame to sex. And even look, I when I said that to them years ago, yeah. don't do this in front of people. They registered it as, as bad. It's bad. Right. So even what you just said, right. it does they what took happens. the message of good bad, and, and they, they filtered said, it. Yeah. And I just said not in front of people. Right. And then I, I'm so thankful, though, that that clarification got to happen. So now I got a child who's probably just <laughs> going away. <laughs> They're ready to go to sleep every single night on time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny. Oh, so we'll okay. have this conversation, Enjoy. of course. Enjoy. Um, I, I, don't think that, um, do. I don't think that Jonathan and I – well, I think Jonathan – well, I can't really speak for him. I think he's a little less pro – masturbation than I am I'm probably more like whatever like it's gonna happen so I'm not um I think like you I do not want there to be any shame around it I mean I I I don't want there to be any shame about it but then I also kind of don't want to know about it (laughs) I don't either like yeah I don't know if that's a good healthy balance but like I don't want any well I did say to my 13 year old son I said like hey you know if in the morning if you just (laughs) If you just need those sheets washed, you just come let me know. I mean, I told him that. I had that whole conversation with him when we talked with him together. And he was like, okay. Like, I said it, like, super chill. I wanted him to – I said I don't want you to ever be embarrassed. Like, you can just be like this, like, throw it in the wash, mom. Or he can put it in the wash himself. Yeah, I'm like – No, he actually does his own laundry, so I don't even know why I'm saying that. But you know what I'm saying? I didn't didn't want it to be like – there's no – you don't have to be sneaking around or hiding. I mean, it's private. Yes. Sure, sure. But I'm probably more on the spectrum of like whatever. It's going to happen. But I think I didn't want to introduce it sooner than was necessary. I didn't sure. want to be the person planting the idea. Yeah. And I – fair enough. Yeah. And I think probably Jonathan's a little bit more like he'd probably rather them like not do that. But also he's of the mindset like it's going to happen. So – and I think when the connection to masturbation or sex or anything is connected to anything other than desire mm. and freedom, mm-hmm. I think anything can be contorted. Absolutely. If anything feels like an obligation or if yeah. anything feels like a compulsion. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I'm not going to get into the weeds there because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a social scientist. And I think I, I want to be delicate when op- – because I know there's plenty of compulsions that yeah, I have yeah. to grab for a chocolate or wine or sex or this or that. But I know for me, having been through some of the sexual trauma that I've been through uh, and then feeling like I couldn't engage sex uh, naturally without it being a lifelong commitment, yeah, then masturbation did become a source of shame yeah. and it became a, a – uh, I I lacked impulse control yeah, a lot have, when I was younger. About that before, yeah. yeah, so I think that's why I wanted to reframe that conversation with my, all my children. Just it, this, I want this to be enjoyable for Absolutely. you. So if it feels forced, if you feel right. like you're you're kissing somebody with you don't want to. nasty lips, like yeah, you don't, don't have do to it. do that. If if at any point during anything, yeah, you don't want to do this, yeah, you get to say no, even with a spouse. I made out with this guy one time. Oh, no. He had the worst breath. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, I, can't, I can't actually put into words. Like the worst halitosis that you've just generally encountered, basically. 
plus was this was this dude's he mouth. He had a tooth infection. And I, we were 16 maybe, 17. And it was my friend's, you know, my friend had her, had this boy over and then the boy brought his friend over and she was like, oh yeah, he's cute. You should make out with him. And they like went off into a bedroom and I started kissing him and I was like, are you kidding me with this? <laughs> That's nasty. And you kept going or was it a... No. Okay, yeah, you're like, All I right, was I'm like, done. that is nasty. Now... That's the thing you were saying. If they have gross lips, if they have halitosis that too. from hell, your child needs to be able to be like, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. And I'm not here's a breath mint. It's true. Well, and that's all that we know about sex. That's all I know and forevermore and we'll ever know. And 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 when we have um, other conversations, if y'all want an update, let us know and we'll give updates. We haven't, um, if anything else, like really uh, huge needs to be discussed oh this is a hard conversation we very recently my children did kind of already know but we had a more in more detailed conversation with them about abortion mm. and that was a conversation i had really been dreading yeah like really dreading and um especially for tolan if if, if or any of you who know tolan he is like made to be a father, can't wait to be a father, loves babies and children. And um, they did already know, but we had more detailed conversation, like I said. And and then he said, so, he said, so thousands? And we said, no, baby, millions. And he got tears in his eyes and he said, millions of babies. And that was like, those are the conversations where that like little part of you where you're like, you can never unknow this. And I feel the sadness yeah. of the them losing a piece of their innocence yeah. because they have to know some of these things. Yeah. So sometimes you can't rehearse conversations. So as a, like I got to do with Greg. So when that topic of abortion came up, I just had to deal with yeah, it the best it I then. knew how. Right. And I did it and then I moved on. And it hasn't come up since in an overt way, but we'll mm -hmm. probably talk about it. No, Soon. that's good. That's a good point. Yeah, we you sometimes you just got a parent right there on the spot without feeling prepared. And then other times you get a chance to be prepared. That's, that's right. okay. That's how it goes. So we are going to do something we haven't done. We're going to wrap this conversation up and we invite you to join us about the race conversation in part two. Where we will be talking with how to talk to your children about race and racism. Yes. And all of those very, very interesting points the best best conversations ever so here's what we would love for you to do rate review subscribe and tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable <laughs> so lovable but it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast if you like this podcast and you care about not only but also you know if you drop a little line there on apple podcasts and give us a little review it actually means something it does and on facebook on instagram on any of these kinds of things listen if we in any way have helped you see the both and better let other people know so they too can see more clearly we are noba podcast everywhere thank you